episode of the Detroit Lions PTSD Recovery Podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Marshall Zweig. I am a relationship coach. I'm trauma-informed, so uh, though we're going to have some laughter and fun on this show as well as some talking about life, uh, it, PTSD is meant seriously. It is a serious uh, condition. I actually have been diagnosed with PTSD, and while I am perhaps more open than David. We'll see how he ends up showing up on this podcast. Um, David has been through difficult experiences in his life, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing just that bit. You can also find me, by the way, at marshallswag.com. I'm a featured life coach on Ngomu. I coach my method, Truth Empowered Relationships. I'm also on Zant and uh, a couple of other platforms as well. So... I will tell you about my Lions experience as, as soon as I let my co-host and dear friend, uh, and I'll tell you how we met, uh, David Hughes introduce himself. Go ahead, David. Hey, everyone. I'm uh, David Hughes, and uh, I'm a uh, art director at an advertising agency and uh, a longtime Lions fan, although I've just sort of rejoined the fandom lately but I've always followed them. Um, I kind of stopped watching uh, when things were sort of going bad and they, you know, I, I would tell Marshall that I would pull so hard for the team and when they would lose, it would really just wreck my whole weekend. It would wreck my weekend, my Sunday evening, going into Monday and I would be in a funk all day until I finally realized why I was feeling sort of down. It was because the Lions had broken my heart. They broke my heart in one way or another. And I just was like, I had enough. And I just kind of stopped, kind of stopped watching. And I told Marshall, like, finally, I think I've broken, I, I'm free of the Lions. And that, that feeling I had when my Sunday was ruined. And I felt like, oh, this is, this is great. I've got my, my uh, weekend back, and I feel great going into Monday. So that's sort of my experience with the Lions. Well, let me first tell you how David and I met, and then I'm going to go into my Lions story because I want you to know like what you're coming in on. Uh, first of all, we don't plan on editing anything. This, you're, what you're going to hear is our recording of a friendship. And I got emotional as I said that. I've known David since 1994. Um, I wanted to be his friend, from, and I've told him this from the first moment I saw him. I just knew. Some people you know. And it's happened very rarely in my life. And he's one of them. Um, we were partnered at an ad agency. I was on the writing part of the, of the team, and David is the graphic design and art director part. And we found that most of our ideas came from two guys with their feet up on a desk talking and that's how we as partners that's how we did our work so we've maintained a friendship and um, David 
suffered a number of losses in his life. And uh, he matters a lot to me, so I, I made sure that he knew how much I loved him during that time. And then we connected on the Lions. And I saw something different in this team uh, when Dan Campbell took over. But I'll get to that in a minute. Let me tell you about my Lions experience. My, my father was a complicated man. There were elements of his fatherness that I think a lot of people would, would appreciate. But there were elements where I was very uh, mixed up by the things he said and did. Um, and at one point, as I, I told David and under 15 people on this earth, I kept it a secret for 30 years. He, he once confessed a very, very serious, gravely serious crime to me. Uh, and I kept it a secret for 30 years, which was very difficult for me. David was gracious enough to listen. So we don't plan on editing. Um, we plan on being ourselves as much as we can. We talked after the rehearsal about like, we don't want to amp up our energy. We're not here to entertain you. We're here to make you feel comfortable because I tell you, this is an important uh, aspect of my life. So my dad confessed that crime to me. But when it came to the Lions, we had a seamless friendship. And I mean that sincerely. He was a pleasure to watch sports with. He never yelled at me. He never said anything mean. Uh, he was intelligent watching sports. So I have a, a, a very fond memory of the Lions. And the earliest thing I remember, and David and I were talking earlier about this, like I remember this guy named Freddie Scott. It's long before a lot of you will, will remember. And there was a pass that hit him in the bread basket when I was a kid, and he dropped it. And we would have won the... The at that at that at that time it was the NFC. What was it, Dave? NFC Central. Yeah. Um, and he dropped the pass. And the Lions have been like that. And I didn't know the history of them as well as I do now. We'll get into that a little later. Um, but uh, they seemed snake bit. They seemed cursed. Now, for those of you that tuned in because it simply says PTSD, let me give you a quick history of this team. They're one of only two teams, the Detroit Lions, two original NFL teams that have never made a Super Bowl, not even appeared in it. And in fact, since 1957, we have won exactly one playoff game. One. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I, can't, I, can't, I can't even believe that. Yep, yep. Yep. So, and it, and I watched that game. It was against Dallas, and da it looked like we were the up-and-coming team, and it turned out that Dallas was the team of the 90s, and we went the other way. So, you know, outside of the fact that we had, we were we were graced with Barry Sanders, um, the Lions always seemed like something was off. I told Dave the story of uh, my ex-wife. Um, she was from Russia, and when I told her about. I love this. I love this story. This is the best. <laughs> it's it's the only thing that makes sense. So, I told her about the Lions, and the first game that she was with me, and they were on. She walked in toward the end, and I was sitting on the edge of the, edge of the bed, and she <laughs> said, "You said these guys always lose," and I think the articulate way I probably put it was. Um, they managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory week after week. They seemed cursed. I'll talk about that, too. Um, she said, you said these guys always lose. They're ahead. There's a minute and a half left. They're ahead by five points. 
I said, sit down, sit down. And I went into the bathroom. I don't even know what I did. But I came back, and she just looked at me in shock and said, <laughs> remember, she's from Russia. She said, bribes, bribes. That's what she said. It makes sense. <laughs> so, so, again, if you're new to this, to, to the Lions, and you tuned in because of PTSD, they will hurt you over and over like a, a person you're in relationship with that you keep going back to over and over and over again, even though they hurt you. So we've all, all of us Lions fans, myself included, have had to deal with it in certain ways. And the way I dealt with it, we Barry was so disgusted. Most of you, I, I refer to him by, uh, by, by a singular name, Barry, because if you're from Detroit, Barry simply means Barry Sanders. And I mean that. You say Barry, everybody knows that you mean Barry Sanders. And he retired 20-some uh, years ago. But anyway, <clears throat> Barry was so disgusted at that time with the Lions organization that he walked off. He just, he, he bounced. He, he went to London, sent a fax, and he was gone. Um, so after that, we had a chance to hire William Clay Ford. We'll get into him a little later. He had a chance to hire a guy named... This is a great business case, and we're going to get to, into that too. He had a chance to hire who I consider the greatest NFL coach of all time, not Bill Belichick, a guy named Bill Parcells, also won multiple Super Bowls with the New York Giants. Uh, so he called up, and he, I believe, because coach after coach has been crushed by our system. People have tried to change our culture, couldn't do it, crushed. We ruined a guy named Bobby Ross, who was one of the great football coaches of all time. Anyway, Bill Parcells called, the greatest coach in my, uh, I contend, of all time, and by the way, inspired Dan Campbell and drafted Dan Campbell, as a matter of fact. And he said, Bill, Bill Parcells, this wonderful coach, said to William Clay Ford, hey, if you let me be the general manager, means I choose the players, and also the coach, I'll take over the Lions, which is basically saying, I'll rescue you. And Mr. Ford said, no, no, I'm, I'm, thank you very much for your offer. He's from, by all accounts, a very lovely, polite gentleman. David actually has, has a story about him. And he said, no, we're going to go with this broadcaster named Matt Millen. Matt Millen came to town, and uh, I think on a motorcycle. I seem to remember motorcycles, David, am I right? I think you're right, yeah. I yeah. Think was, I think it was a motorcycle. With a coach named Marty Morningwag. Right. Uh, and he, they were talking tough and making all these cool videos. Matt Millen was an ex-player for the Redskins and, uh, and, a, and a well-known broadcaster. And I think Mr. Ford was probably charmed by him. And again, we'll get into the, his, his business acumen. Uh, with respect, just being honest, uh, a little later. Um, he hired more, Marty Morningwag. And the Lions had, had missed a field goal. They were 9-7, and seven. It was even though Barry had left. Bobby Ross also quit in disgust. He just walked up, this wonderful coach. Matt Millen said he was going to turn it around, hire his morning wag. And I watched one half. I'd already been suffering since the early 80s with these guys, maybe even 79. So uh, I watched one half of Marty Morningwag's first game as coach, Matt Millen's first game as general manager, one half of one game, and I said something's wrong. I spotted an inferior product, and that's going to come in, in, in importantly later when I turn it back over to David. 
I said, I'm out. I bounced like Barry. I bounced like Bobby Ross. And I was what they call around these parts, lion's free. Yep, lion's free. That, that, I love that term. I was lion's free as well. Lions free for uh, a number of years, including and feeling good about it. I was I was lions free and feeling like oh I, mm-hmm. I'm back. It's break, breaking up with that with that person who mistreats you, right? I even knew I had sold high, if you will. Uh, actually, not a good analogy, but I knew I knew that I made the proper decision for me when the Lions became the first team in the history of the NFL to lose every single game in a season. This Again, to give you an idea of the misery that we've endured in this town. Matter of fact, their current coach, Dan Campbell, was on that team. He was hurt most of that season, but he was on that team. So, uh, Marshall, just hearing you talk about this, I, you're taking me back. I'm just sitting here shaking my head. It was just dreadful. Oh yeah, thanks for reminding me. How it was so dreadful. Mortingweg was the guy who ended. This is what I. This is something I this missed. This is terrific. I, I just read about their ineptitude. I watched it from a distance. I was. De- <laughs> I had become detached. Uh, he. We made it to overtime one one game, and this guy oh, no. said, uh, "I'll take the wind. I'm going to choose which side of the field I want." You guys. Now, now let me explain it. If you're new to the NFL, it's sudden death. So the first team who scores wins. You you don't give up the ball if you win the you win the coin toss. Chances are you're going to win the game. Chances are you're going to win. And these guys kept their jobs long, long. And we'll get into that later. Um, so I'm sorry, beating myself up because I keep saying we'll get into that. There's so much to talk about. Um, when they drafted a guy named Matthew Stafford, and I told David, there's this whole story. Hopefully, we'll, it'll come up in another episode where Stafford was jumping on the back of of uh, the general manager, Tom Lewand, it w- was at the time, Martin Mayhew, uh, the president. It just kind of made me sick. And he had a very up-and-down career at Georgia, so I was never really a Matt Stafford fan. No disrespect to, to you, Matt, if you, if you tune in. I appreciate like I, uh, that Cleveland game uh, where you had that separated shoulder. No, no one questioned your talent or your ability. Just, I don't know, I just didn't feel like you could break the, the curse. That's the way to say it. If you were up and down in Georgia, you, you weren't ready for, for what you came into. So we had Matthew Stafford, and we had Calvin Johnson, and he's another Hall of Fame receiver. I didn't really see much of Calvin's career because my heart had been broken too many times by then. I would read about him in the news. I would watch him a little bit until I saw that they were sliding into uh, familiar territory. We all know when the Lions are about to do something good, and, and look like everything's going their way. Something's going to fall apart. Something is going to just crush you. Oh, my, I remember my dad, you couldn't score enough points for my dad to feel comfortable about the Lions win. Like, my dad would say to me, you know, like, it would be 24 points up in the fourth quarter, and my dad would say, that's not enough points. We need at least two more touchdowns. Right, right. Because you you, the lead was never safe with the Detroit Lions. Never, never safe. safe. So I had moved to Los Angeles where I now rarely saw Lions games. And like David, the sun's a little brighter on Sunday. It doesn't hurt as bad on Monday. It doesn't hurt uh, as bad on Tuesday because it was starting to creep into Tuesday, Wednesday. It's misery being a Lions fan. It's misery. It's misery. It's so much pain. So many years of 
letting well we'll get into the organizational structure i actually it's a really fascinating business case so and i moved to la where i rarely saw the lions and then i moved to georgia where i met my twin flame and she's upstairs right now her name's heather i'm so blessed and graced to have her as my partner in life and our son and we moved back here and she wanted to watch football with me and it's kind of always my dream i was kind of an awkward kid and when I would get to go to a, a football game, I would see like these guys with their girlfriends wearing Lions jerseys, and I thought they were so cool, and I wish I had a girlfriend like that. Well, here I am later in my life, and I, I've got a girlfriend who wants to watch um, football with me, and I'm super excited, but I know it's the Lions, so I can't get too involved, and I actually explained it to her. I said, I have to set you up for this. And I told her the history that I'm telling you folks that I'm just getting a little bit into. It's rough. She said, okay, okay. And sure enough, she saw those guys fall apart the first season. She kept rooting. She kept wearing her lion shirt and cheering. And we, you know, make the day special. By the second season, she started to get upset. And with the season that those guys were fired, she stopped watching. And she'd only lived here, what, those two and a half years? I can't even remember how long it was. Maybe it was a year and a half. I think a year and a half. It was one season she watched. By the second half of the next season, she she didn't want to watch these guys anymore. Which is, by the way, and this may get a laugh from David, it's a healthy response. You know, you, you got to know when to flee. You have to know. You just got to you gotta know when to turn it off. And I have to tell you, the, in the past, there were games when I would turn it off before the game was over. I was just like, I can't watch this. Right, right. I think a lot of people did. A lot of people would tune out because they know the collapse is coming. You can feel it with these guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. So then they get these new guys in, and this is where I think this is going to be a really interesting podcast. They get these new guys in, uh, 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 Dan Campbell, and we're going to talk about how they got him, and Brad Holmes. And I saw a different product on the field. And I recognized it almost immediately. And then I had to ask myself, are you hallucinating? And I mean that seriously. <laughs> like, you know, these are the lions. But because I had an open mind, and I'm going to share the business case that I told you about, because of this business case, I really watched you guys. And I say guys gender neutrally. I saw a quality product. What do I mean by quality product? Because they only won three games that year. I mean to say they were guys who hustled harder than the other guys, hit harder than the other guys. And that may sound violent. I understand it's a violent sport. I have to accept that it is. So it, they simply did hit harder. They, they would get knocked down, and it's something Campbell talked about in his opening press conference, and they'd get back up. They were exactly who they said they were. And then they were benching Super Bowl-winning players because there were guys, There's I mentioned Bobby Ross, who would say, I'm going to give some of these guys a bus ticket out of town if they don't. Nobody ever got a bus ticket out of town. Well, these guys did. Two guys who won Super Bowls were traded, released, respectfully, not meanly, benched, and replaced with guys off the street. When I say guys off the street, meaning guys who were not drafted, who didn't sign with any team, who did not have a job. That's called off the street. And these guys were hustling harder than the other guys. Now, now, Marshall, will you will you say uh, 
off the street, from a football perspective, did they come from good football programs? I mean, did they have a good football pedigree? Georgia or Michigan or... I'd have to look up the guys like I'm thinking of like Jerry Jacobs, who's terrific. I, I don't know where they went to school. What I can vouch for is that they weren't drafted. And guys that aren't drafted, there's not necessarily another career for you. There's, there's the USFL currently. Uh, you know, I mean, they were probably guys on the fringes of getting drafted. But even when you're drafted in the seventh round, sixth round, there's no guarantee you'll make the team. Got it. Does that answer? Yeah, it does. Okay. So uh, at some point, and they only won three games, but you should have seen them after they broke their O streak. Because this is what I, I was watching, and I told David this. This is exciting. I was watching guys. Okay, well, they would... They they had some horrible losses, just like usual. Just like usual. I'm used to these horrible losses where you're about to win and you lose. Well, why would I be saying this then? I recognized a team that hadn't learned how to win instead of a team that knows how to lose. It was fascinating. I could tell the difference. Why? Because when people, in general, live long enough, if they're aware and watching around them, they will see certain patterns. And I saw a pattern of Lions players who would give up, who would collapse, who would cave in on themselves. You can see it when the spine bends, when the head is sort of slumped. It's over. It's over. They're gone. Their bodies are still there, but their, their heart is gone. They're out of it. These guys were not like that. They kept coming at you. Their heart never left. They never gave up. So many games, the Campbell's first year and Holmes's first year, so many games, people would say, don't look now, but here come the Detroit Lions. Wow, the Lions are coming back in this. The Lions are right in there. We got a game. And these were guys, they were taking, we had an abysmal roster, talent bereft almost, no disrespect to the players who were there, but by comparison, talent bereft, anyone would tell you that. And uh, they were managing to make these things close. And when they finally broke their O Street, and they, they ended up pretty close to 500 at the end of the year, when they won their first game, they celebrated like it was a Super Bowl. These guys were in it. They were in it to win it. They just were, they didn't know how to win. So the season ends. I call Hughes. Sometimes I'll call him Hughes. I, sometimes I call him David. And that's legit. That's how we do it in our friendship. And I said... I want you to watch these guys. And he's like, no, they're the Lions. I, I, I know the pain of watching. I don't, I don't want that. Yeah, it was, it was interesting because you called me. I'll never forget it. You know, we laugh and joke around and have fun. You called me with, you were sort of quiet. You said, hey, let me ask you something. Are you watching the Lions? And I was, I was excited to tell you, no, I don't, I don't watch the Lions. I'm, I've, I've watched the Lions pretty much as a from a kid on, and uh, all they do is disappoint. That was my that was my perspective at the time, and I you know, I was telling you about it how finally I was free. I was free of the Lions. I had my week, weekends back, and you listened to me. You were quiet, and you let me talk, and you said, "I'll never I'll never forget it." You said, "Well, you should start watching the Lions because there's a they're a different team." And I, I was just like flummoxed. I was like, what? You said, um, and correct me if, if I'm misquoting you, Marshall, but you said, 
they're, they're a different team. They never stop. They never give up. They, they will keep playing, you know, as hard as they can the whole game. You, you, you said, look, I promise you, if you start watching the Lions, I promise you, you'll be entertained. You won't be like the old days of like, just your, your weekends will be ruined. You said that uh, they have an entertaining product. Yeah, the, the exact phrase, and it's, again, I've had to go through the things my father said, understanding that he had challenges in his own psyche, and go through what he had to say that I considered to be right on and what was not. And one of the things he said about football, because sports is where we were aligned and where I learned a lot from him, he said, all you can ever ask of your team is to be competitive. I promise you, the, that's what you say. You were like, they're going to be competitive. Yep. They, you know, like you'll, you'll feel good about your team. And I was so sure of myself. So I said to Dave, I said, Dave, these guys are going to be good. They just need yep. to learn how to win. They just need to learn how to win. Yep. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do I want to get in now and learn about these guys? Or do I want to get in after after when I'm, there's already a bunch of people on the bandwagon? I'm late to this party. It was so funny, Marshall, because you, uh, I go, well, tell me about it. And you went strategically, step by step, everyone on the, on the offense, starting offense, each player. And you were so intense about it. You had a call. I think you had a business call. You said, I have to take this call, and we hung up, and I guess about a half an hour later, you called me back, and you finished. You started back up on the person that, whatever position that you had left off, and you took me through everyone on the offense, including their nicknames, and then you went through everyone on the defense, and also even players that were backup players. First of all, that's it's because you said yes to me. It's also because... I have had so much pain around this team. I didn't want to miss my chance. I didn't want to miss a second of watching this team become what I believed it could be. What I can't, what I can't get over was like, this was before preseason had even started. You're like, I'm not going to, not going to say they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but they, they will entertain you. And, uh, I just was like, all right, man, well, let's, let's, let's go through this. Yeah. And I made it clear there. I did when I said, when he says not saying they're going to Super Bowl that year, but I said, this is, this is the team they're on their way up. And, and here's, here's my dear friend. He agrees to watch them again, to give them a chance, but he's very suspicious. Like all my other friends were when I talked to him, all my other friends were all right, you know, I'll kind of watch this. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And the, they start the season out one and six. And I, because remember, I'm telling this guy to watch something he's had years of trauma about. They've won one playoff game since 1957. Jeez. So, and what was their record? Three, 13 and one. That's, that's a typical disastrous Lions record. Yeah. More disastrous than most seasons, but typically disastrous. Not un uncommon around here and typically disastrous. So, and I'm saying to this guy, give him another chance. After 3-13-1. So I'm like basically saying buy Apple in 1993 when it, 
it had cratered and Steve Jobs had left and started a company called Next. I was telling this guy, okay, it's the right time to buy Apple because after that one and six start, and I must tell you, I doubted myself severely when they started at one and six because it wasn't the same team. Uh, the last few games, they looked lost. And I started to think, I'm going to have to give up after this next game. They fooled me. They fooled me again. This can't be. I was so sure. And then they turned it on. Now, I know that he fired a, d- a defensive coach that I remember stuck his finger in the face of Jeff Okuda which on national TV, which I thought was just terrible. Uh, I was not okay with that. And I understand football is football, but the Lions are being coached by a different gang of people. They understand emotions. So I really didn't like that. So this guy got fired. I don't know if that, that's what turned it around. I hear that he's a great coach. Uh, but they, they turned it around. They absolutely turned it around. And how, did they you, looked- why, how did you keep watching during that time? When that was happening, I said to myself, Oh, I feel so sorry for my friend Marshall. He believed in the Lions, and it's the same old Lions. And I, I actually was making a conscious effort that when I, when we talk next time, that I was going to sort of be in a consoling manner and like, oh, Marshall, it's okay. This is the team that we have. This is a team that we've always had. Well, there were a couple of times that Heather and I had challenges, and I would think to myself, I guess... I guess I have to leave. Like, but I knew, I knew without a doubt that this was my destiny. It was destiny, and there was no place else I was supposed to be. It was perfect. And being with her, not only was I correct, but I've learned to trust myself in a way that I didn't before I met her. And so they're one and six. They let me down, and I thought. Those guys that I saw last season, that was not a mirage. They were different. Their product was different. And they, we had so many guys hurt. And you don't know how many times people have used that as an excuse with the Lions. But I said to David, they've got a lot of guys who are hurt. And David typically, you know, and, and I don't fault him. Oh, come on. Of course they got, you know. But these guys started to come back. And, and by the way, they did everything they did last season with arguably their best defensive player hurt early in the season. So I watched because I had that same feeling, not not exactly the same with Heather, but that feeling of, no, I, I wasn't wrong. It looks like I'm wrong. The data says I'm wrong. I wasn't wrong. I know what I saw. And it's interesting because I've had gaslighting in my life. It's really interesting to be certain of myself after experiencing something like that. And then they started to go crazy. And by crazy, I mean like they're starting to light up the scoreboard and they're starting to step up on defense. It was really exciting going through this with David. So we've been talking for months and months and usually it starts with, and some of our podcasts may start like this, got a minute? Because I always like to be respectful of people's time. David's the same way. You got a minute? And we'll talk and we'll just start talking. Uh, We're welcoming you into our friendship, our long friendship. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and we this is what we do. So we just decided to make a podcast because this is an opportunity to reprogram a memory. Now, I'll tell you a story about uh, a documentary that has to do with that. Uh, it was called Man on Wire, and they made it into 
a movie called The Walk, Dave. Did you see either Man on Wire or The Walk? I saw Man on Wire, yep. Okay. So I watched this movie, and it's about this guy in the 70s who walked across a tightrope across the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center. Incredible. Yes, it was incredible. Incredible. One of the things that's burned into people's memory is is what happened to the Twin Towers. So I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, wow, I I now have a different memory of the Twin Towers. Wow. And I Googled it, and wouldn't you know it, the director said my goal is to reprogram people's memories about the Twin Towers. So I and David have been going through as much Detroit Lions material as we can, reading articles that I, I wouldn't usually read, uh, you know, articles that have like glaring typos and poorly written. It doesn't matter. We're just looking for content. Yeah, I've, I've been watching over and over YouTube videos of past Lions games. I just can't get enough. Like I've seen them already two or three times, but I just keep watching. I need more. I can't get enough of Lions content. So we're here to give you some more, um, but we're welcoming you into the friendship and we're talking about uh, reprogramming your memories. We want you to be able to reprogram the PTSD that we've all had as Detroit Lions fans. That's our that's our optimal goal from this podcast because we're recording this four or five days after Jameson Williams. Oh man, I just, oh, now here it comes. Here goes my, my feelings again. Oh, I just can't believe it. What David's reacting to, and again, you're going to get different perspectives because David and I both suffer from Detroit Lions PTSD, unquestionably. Jamison Williams, four or five days ago, was suspended for the first six games. Jamison Williams is the star-wide receiver, uh, number 12 overall pick for the Detroit Lions for, from last year, was hurt, didn't play much last year, caught one touchdown pass, and it was a, it was his only pass, uh, ran a 40-yard gain with a handoff, another touchdown pass was called back um so he was suspended for six games and it's easy to say same old lions if i go over the litany of detroit lions draft picks who bombed out one i was telling david the other day reggie rogers uh actually was in a hit and run and killed three people one of our first round draft picks it's a disaster so this looks like one of those disasters and yet, I tell you, and I tell you with the, the same certainty that I had last year, this is not the same old Lions. These guys are different. So you've got David, who, by the way, didn't matter how close they were last year, he couldn't turn them on until it, either it was over right. or almost over. I had to call you and say, David, at this point, all they have to do is kneel down at Green Bay. All they have to do is kneel down, and finally you turned it on. It, I. I'm so programmed to think that the Lions are going to win, I, I lose, that I felt like I was going to jinx the Lions by watching them. It's like, just, I can't, I, I need help. I just can't, like, I can't get to a, a relaxed mode where I can sit and enjoy the game because I'm waiting for the shoe to drop, you know? Like, I'm a work in progress. I'm trying to, I'm trying to work through this thing, but, uh, like, with the whole... Jameson Williams event, like, you know, when you called me initially, Marshall, and you were trying to get me back into the Lions, you went through all the players, and then you said, and we had this guy, his name is Jameson Williams. Guess what? He's hurt. He 
Does, did he have a torn ACL? Was that it, Marshall? He had, uh, when we drafted him, yeah, torn, torn ACL. T- torn ACL, and you said, guess what? He's not only the fastest guy on the Lions, he may be even the fastest guy in the NFL. And when you said that, I was like, well, I can't wait to see this guy. This guy is the one guy I've been waiting to see. You know, I want to see this guy in action. And I want to see him just turn on the, the power and just leave guys in the dust. Right. And and now and now we have to wait six games. So you've got two different perspectives. This could look like same old Lions, and yet I say it's not. And then we have this draft coming up, and this guy, Brad Holmes, finding guys in the sixth round who are not only starters, but like who, who can do things that guys have never done in the league. It's really something. So I see this as my chance to reprogram my trauma, to go back in and, and, as they say, renegotiate, which is usually not a productive idea in trauma. But this is going to be different, and this is our opportunity. So I want us all to be able to enjoy this as much as we can. Now, I say this, David may still end up mowing his lawn. I don't know what he's going to do. I'm not going to tell him not to. Um, But I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Fords, a story that I told David that may influence you. It's the business case, and it's not meant to influence you one way or the other, but it's because I knew it. I did watch the previous, what with the last, I guess, six years through a different prism, and you may too. As David, do you need to say anything before I go into the story? No, no, you go ahead. So let me tell you the story of the Lions as an organization. They were bought in the very early 60s. So the first the, the first four or five years of this streak of uh, despair are not on uh, William Clay Ford. But after that, they were bought by a guy named William Clay Ford. Now, this is the way I've heard it clearly described. And I mean, no disrespect to anyone in the Ford family. In fact, I'm going to make sure that you, you understand how much I appreciate you at, at the end of this. But the account is that William Clay Ford was politely, but I think firmly, asked not to be in the family business. They did not consider him to be good at business. So they gave him a certain number of millions of dollars, and they said, go out and have a good life. But we don't want you with Ford Motor. And with that money, Mr. Ford went out and bought a football team. Now, financially, there's no question that he did extremely well. The Lions are worth probably several billion dollars in that. He, I think he paid $10 million for them, which sounds absurdly low now. Marshall, do you think that the, the Lions, the organization, do you think because the, um, the, uh, they, they seem to be ascending, they seem to be going up and not down, do you think that the, that increases the, the net worth of, that, uh, the, of the team? Yeah, I would say they'd be worth more. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how much, but it fluctuates. Yeah. Uh, so okay, so he buys this team, but it turns out the people who who were making the decisions at Ford were right about William Clay Ford. He was not adept at business. His style was to hire people because he liked them and keep them, even when they demonstrated that they were not competent at their job because he liked them. That was the recipe for the Lions teams that we despaired to. Now, it's an interesting stat that 
since he owned the team, not one head coach of the Lions has ever gotten another head coaching job with any team ever. I mean, college, no no NFL team. Never. Um, there was a guy, and, and again, I, I go back before a lot of your you listeners. We had a coach named Daryl Rogers, coached at MSU. We, we hired him to coach the Lions, who actually said into the microphone, what's a guy need to do to get fired around here? That's an actual quote. What's a guy need to do to get fired around here? And I told you about Bobby Ross. Bobby Ross won a national championship in college with Georgia Tech. Did you even know Georgia Tech had a football team? No, man. Yeah, right? He won it with no Georgia. Brilliant coach. Came here, and as David, he laughs when I say it, but I mean it. We ruined that guy. We ruined him. He never coached in the NFL again. He went back to college, coached Army. Um, and he had been to a Super Bowl uh, with San Diego. We ruined Bobby Ross. He started saying, we we'll give some of these guys a bus ticket out of town. And then he said, he actually said, he swore. This is a, a study in organizational psychology. Bobby Ross said, I don't coach that shit. I don't coach that shit. You think I coach that shit? I don't coach that shit. This was something that he could not control. It was beyond his control. It was cultural. People knew you did not have to work hard. We just had to be people that the, that the boss got along with, that he felt comfortable having. It was, it was not a functional organization. Okay. Uh, and by the way, tell your, tell your William, William Clay Ford, Ford story, and then I'll, I'll move on to the next phase. So my, my, my dad and I, we, we would play tennis every weekend. And one Saturday, we were driving down the uh, Lodge Freeway. And we're just driving. We're coming back from playing tennis. Um, I'm sort of looking down at my racket or doing whatever. And I hear my dad go, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And I look up and I go, what, what? He goes, look, look next, look to the car next to us. And I looked over and driving next to us uh, was William Clay Ford with his wife in a uh, ordinary sort of four-door Ford. And they looked over at us and his wife waved. And he kind of smiled, and we were like, oh, my God, I can't believe. And my dad says, that's the guy who owns the Lions. Did you say they waved? Yeah, yeah. They, they, we, we lay, she smiled, and she waved. And we were like, wow. It was just sort of a we, – we just were so just sort of taken aback and just sort of charged. We, once we got home, I told my brother and told my mom, you know. So my point in repeating – I don't know if I made Dave repeat or not – that they waved – Mr. Ford's, by all accounts, very lovely fella. Just not an, not good at business. Lovely fella, not good at business. Okay, so after all these years where we snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in, in ways that you wouldn't believe. I mean, some of you fans who are newer will remember the Calvin Johnson rule where he catches a ball and uh, basically does some somersaults and acrobatics and rolls around <laughs> and then finally let's go the ball and they're like no he didn't complete the catch that's like i don't know what else did this guy need to do did did he need to get you know to to get it bronzed i i just didn't understand um that's nothing new to to us longtime lions fans well okay mr ford passes and his his team is taken over by mrs ford uh she's of the firestone family 
she looks like one of those people that when I was very little, they were like this very polite wife who stood by their man and was supportive. And I don't mean that meanly. Like, again, look how they treated Dave, waved to him. Well, her husband passes, and Mrs. Ford, who's now at that point in her 80s, I'm pretty sure, because I think now she's in her 90s, she she first hired a longtime loyal Ford employee to run to be the president of the alliance, and everybody worried. Well, after that, she went to, with this guy to the NFL competition committee. Now, I don't know if you knew they existed, but they're the people who, whose job it is to make sure that everybody has a fair chance to win. Their goal is parity, as they say, which means every team is eight, nine, nine, and eight close right so every team's in it on the last week of the season that's what the nfl really roots for she she was humble enough to go to those people and say i'm paraphrasing we don't know what we're doing we need your help please recommend to us a general manager we don't know what we're doing humble and recognizing that whatever her husband's noble attempts were they didn't work we didn't know what we were doing so she, she said the truth. And the NFL, unfortunately, gave us a guy named Bob Quinn. She insisted that we keep Jim Caldwell over Quinn's objections, most, most likely, because most uh, general managers want their own person. She said, keep this guy, Jim Caldwell, a, a qualified coach who had been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I like, I like Caldwell. I, I know we, we've talked about this uh, off air. He seemed like such a classy guy and he seemed to have a plan i I like that guy a lot yeah in-game coach not my favorite but certainly a guy that people wanted to play hard for and and i i would have too he's there's a nobility about jim call well she insisted he keep him bob quinn was not qualified to to lead a team and then he hires this guy matt patricia who though he just got a job with uh who was it is it philadelphia which poor darius slay I hope one day, you know, we're 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 prominent enough, well known enough that Darius comes on this show. I, I want him to talk. I can't believe that he is not having some sort of extreme emotion about Matt Patricia coming to town. I know football players are not always so willing to be honest about those, but I hope on our podcast they can be. Anyway, Bob Quinn not qualified. Hires Matt Patricia not qualified, and we have a disastrous two and a half years. And it looks just like the old days. Same old Lions. I didn't see any difference. I just knew this story. Well, they don't wait seven years like Mr. Ford used to do. They waited two and a half. Mrs. Ford, who's now in her 90s, if I have this correct, she appoints her daughter, Sheila Ford Hamp. She says, you run the team. And Sheila Ford Hamp, with her mom, goes back to the competition committee, except this time they've asked John Dorsey, who they had as a consultant who built the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, who was in the process of rebuilding the Cleveland Browns. They hire him away. They bring back John Dorsey. They ask Chris Spielman to be a culture consultant. They go back to the competition committee. And again, I was not in there, but some version of this, I'll make it fictional, but hopefully close to the truth. We still don't know what we're doing, folks, but you... Well, they wouldn't have said you screwed us, but, you know, we don't know what we're doing, but your your recommendation failed us. You failed us. 
So we're coming back here, but now whoever you, whoever you recommend for us has to go through Chris Spielman and John Dorsey and us Fords and, and Mr. Wood, Rod Wood. And they gave him Brad Holmes. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. And Brad Holmes, well, he ended up building a Super Bowl winner in Los Angeles, but we didn't know that till we got him. I mean, he was their head of scouting, I believe. So he picked the winners. We got, we bought low. This guy absolutely knows what he's doing. And then we got Dan Campbell, and he's the face of the franchise. I don't know how these two worked it out, but Holmes is getting Campbell all the players that fit Campbell's model for what they want the Lions to be. And he's managing to get sixth-round guys who do it, too. Like, did he adapt his style, or is he just good at picking all-around football players? That I don't know. Marshall, tell the story you told me that most general managers get to pick their coaches, but uh, Holmes didn't get to pick Campbell. Is that correct? Right, right. They, You know, Holmes was a first-time general manager. Campbell would have been a first-time coach. Got a long contract for a first-time coach, six years. So they were saying, we really believe in you to build this culture. Uh, yes, it's typical for general managers to pick their own guys. Uh, but, you know, uh, Bob Quinn, was this was his first job. Mrs. Ford didn't want him to be to fire Caldwell. It's good to have some experience. So in the case of Brad Holmes, we had John Dorsey as a consultant, and he could talk to him. I, I, I told Dave, because we, we both love Seinfeld. We loved it when it was first on, and we still quote it sometimes. Uh, they didn't just give Larry and, and Jerry a show, because this was their first television show they had george shapiro who had produced like the dick van dyke show and he he would been in in television since the beginning because it's good to have somebody with experience so my point in the business case is when mr ford passed mrs ford did what was in service of the business and and not her ego not that she would have i'm just saying like what a humble thing to do, to go to the competition committee and say, we don't know what we're doing. And what a commitment to winning. And sure enough, just like she was trying to do the first time, she let the competition committee help her build a winner. So for that reason alone, I want to say anybody who has suffered along with this team, keep an open mind. I'm not expecting you to have an open heart yet. But stay open because, yes, Jameson Williams just cost us six games. But in a couple of days, we'll be talking about the draft picks and how Brad Holmes has done it again. So uh, please come back. Dave, you want to say anything before? Oh, I do. There is something I want to say. I named this episode Root for the Team in Blue. And David made a, just told you a little bit about his dad. Maybe more will come out. Maybe it won't. We'll see where David goes with this. But I want him to tell you why I named this episode Root for the Team in Blue and why I told you that my father, I mean, I remember hugging him when Monty Clark uh, was, was, had the praying sign and, and Eddie Murray missed that field goal against San Francisco. My dad and I were locked in a silent embrace. David has a similar story with his dad and the Lions. Uh, let me turn it over to you, Dave. Hey, so can you, uh, Marshall, can you hear me okay? Because I had to switch out uh, headphones. Yeah, you sound great. Okay, so um, my dad uh, was uh, the first, he had uh, six brothers, brothers and sisters. And um, he grew up in uh, West Virginia. And 
and he was the first one from his family to go to college. And he went to college on a football and baseball scholarship. He loved, he was very, very good at sports and he played football at uh, West Virginia State. So he was always uh, just a big uh, sports fan. And uh, I remember as a child, just wanting to be in his presence because I just looked up to him so much. And um, I would watch football with him, even though I didn't know uh, that much about the game. And uh, I'd ask him a ton of questions. It was so much fun um, just sitting there watching my dad uh, watch football and explain it to me. And he just, he knew all about the game and just, uh, he sort of instilled the love of football in me. Uh, Even though I wasn't a, a, a very good athlete, I wanted him to think I was, and I played football in high school and so forth. And, uh, you know, uh, as time went by, you know, he got older and... Hang on, Dave. Sorry. You have to specifically say, when you didn't understand what was going on, what would he say to you? He would would just be like, you know, he would try to explain it. And then after a while, he would say, hey, just root for the team in blue. That's the Lions. That team right there with the helmet with the blue lion on it, that's the team you want to root for, the, the team in blue. And so as he, uh, as he got older, he uh, developed um, a disease called Lewy body syndrome, which we, he would, uh, it, it looked, uh, he would have tremors. And he, he was in his 80s at this point. And um, uh, he saw... I believe that's what, that's what Robin Williams had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he uh, developed tremors and, and, and he would uh, um, start to see things that weren't there. And, it was de- he, and he developed dementia as well. But he, he would sort of come and go in and out of it. And then one day uh, we were watching. T- he, he really he, he lit up when the Lions, when football would come on and the Lions would come on. And, and, and from outwardly, it looked like he was enjoying the game because he would sit there in his chair and he would smile. And then one day he said to me, we were both sitting, uh, watching TV and I, uh, it felt like old times really because he just seemed really connected. And, um, we were watching the Lions game and he said to me, he turned to me and he said, I don't understand anything that's going on in this game. And I kind of laughed because I thought, you know, because the Lions were losing at the time or whatever. And I go, what? He goes, I don't understand anything that's going on. What's going on? Like that. And he had this frown. He, he seemed disturbed by it. And um, I remember I go, that's okay, uh, Dad. Just, uh, you just root for the team in blue. That's it. And it, and it really sort of came uh, full circle for me. So I want to leave it as that. We are guys who root for the team in blue, and it is hurt, and the pain is real. We know what it's like. So he, this is a team I believe that we can all believe in, and it may hurt along the way. We're not going to win 17 games, but we're here to talk about the hurts and heal from them as we get on board, I hope, with a team that is going to actually give us something to be proud of um, because if you're like David, if you're like me, you also root for the team in blue. Thanks for tuning in. Dave, you want to say anything before we end I really enjoyed this last uh, couple of hours. It's, um, I think this is going to be a great show. 
I do too. There are a couple things I want to say. I called David before uh, this afternoon before we um, did the first podcast, and I said, warmth, wisdom, and wit in that order. The laughter needs to come out of the situation. Secondly, I want to give my thanks, our thanks, to Riverside.fm. Um, they, uh, Dave and I have been talking about this podcast. How long, Dave? Oh, I, from, I, it's been months and months. Months and months. And uh, we found this today. It was a link in an article. And as soon as I, I signed up, I'm like, darn it, I, I, I forgot what the article was. But I clicked on it, and it's going to make our podcast dream come true, and it can make yours come true too. So uh, Riverside.fm, uh, highly recommended if you decide that you want to make a podcast with somebody like uh, David that's in another house, what, 20 miles away. So it's, it's great that we get to do this. Uh, yeah, it's great. So, okay, until next time, uh, root for the team in blue. Root for the team in blue. Open up your mind. Open up your mind.